If you want to find statistics, humor, and just downright hilarity on the internet regarding sports, check out We Don't Know Sports on all social media platforms. We Don't Know Sports proudly brings to you Beat the Shift with Greg Rawlings. Beat the Shift is brought to you by Signature September Giveaway from Dugout Mugs. They're giving away 30 prizes in 30 days. You can enter for free, no purchase necessary. Simply text the word SUPER to 85311. Text the word SUPER to 85311 for Dugout Mugs, their Signature September Giveaway. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for episode one of Beat the Shift with Greg Rawlings. And joining us are two former Major League Baseball players. We've got Jeff Passaro, who played from 1991 all the way up to 2006. Damn, it's a long time. And then we got Mike Gallo, who's rocking his Packers jersey because it is kickoff weekend, but we begged him to talk baseball with us tonight. So he's here. Here's your host, Greg Rawlings. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Good. Good. I know you're doing well, Mike. I can already tell by looking at you. <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, you doing all right? I'm doing great. Love the hat. Glad you changed from the A's to the Expos. Well, I, I had the Braves hat. Our, our I had the Braves hat the Braves for. Uh, we're supposed to have Chris Hammond on. He's having technical difficulties, but we'll get rolling. So I had one for him. I have one for you. And sorry, Gallo. I know you played for America's team, the Astros, but I can't lower myself to those standards. <laughs> it is hey, what it I, is, brother. I can't wear any Astros gear in Southern California. I'll get my, my butt kicked or an egg thrown at my head right now. They, they hate they hate the Astros out here. It's so sad. Well, <laughs> let, let, let's jump right into it. I mean, because that was one of my first questions actually for you, Gallo. So I know you played for the Astros. I know you still follow the game. So do you still root for the Astros or do you, pit, do you have another team there in California you kind of follow? You know, um, when you get to the big league level um, – you know, you kind of get alienated. I grew up a Dodger fan being down here in Southern California. But then as I had a pitch against the Dodgers and I got jealous that I never got an opportunity to put a Dodger jersey on and play for, for L.A., I kind of got some animosity built up against them a little bit as I got into the business side and the player side of the game. But, you know, I, as I've gotten older, I kind of root for players more than teams now. And uh, so I, I did go to that first game that Matt Scherzer did uh, when he pitched for the Dodgers, uh, his first game with the Dodgers, I took my son. And I'll tell you right now, that was not a PG-13 uh, fan atmosphere. I mean, the profanity uh, against the Astros, Altuve and uh, uh, Correa, I mean, it was relentless. I got my seven-year-old son, and I'm hearing F Altuve. And every time he came up the bat, F Correa. So, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of bitter 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 very bitter fans out here uh but at the same time i still i think it's cool that the astros right now with all their turmoil they lost their coach now they're in first place in their division and there's no cheating so we say there's no cheating i still think the ipads and the dugouts gotta go the the shifts gotta go i i don't like the little note cards they have i hate that i hate that stuff so, long story short, study your reports before the game and then go play the game. You don't need little reminders in between innings and pitches. I don't like that stuff, but I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but I am still rooting for the Astros a little bit to show everybody that they're a good quality team and they're not cheating. But I just love the I love the, the drama. It's, it's fun. And you led me into my follow-up question, Mike, because the Astros have ran that division 
for the last several years. And it's been a few years now since we've had the cheating scandal. Yeah, we've dealt with COVID. I got that. But is it time for the baseball world to forgive the Astros? Because they are a good team. Have they paid their dues, I guess, is my question. To me, there's 90% of that roster never even was involved with that crap. So it's time for America to move it on. Because if we're going to go on that tangent, why are still people rooting for the White Sox? Because you got to go all the way back to the Black Sox scandal. Uh, obviously, those players are long gone, but are, do you still hear people talking smack about the White Sox? You know, I mean, there's just, to me, to me, the White Sox scandal was a lot worse than, oh, okay, so we got your signs. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Put Shoeless in the hall, right? Exactly. And Pete, too. Bring Pete in there. But well, anyways. I mean, so, like, we're talking about the White Sox, and that Field of Dreams game this year, to me, baseball fan, former players, the guys, even the players that were in the game, dude, that was that gave me chills just watching the, how it all took place. What, what, did you watch it, Jeff? Yeah, I watched it. I was I thought it was very well done, and you know I you know you couldn't have had two better teams doing it. The way it ended was perfect, and it is definitely something baseball needed. It was a great great big shot in the arm for baseball in general. Um, I don't know if it's like I know they've got the game scheduled for next year. I don't know if this is an every year thing or something, or if it was just something that was done and done so well that they don't need to try to repeat it because you don't know what you're going to get from it now on. You're not going to be able to top that game. There's no chance. Whatever game's played after this game that was played this year, you cannot top that game the way it ended and stuff. So, but I thought it was done very well. I love the atmosphere, the way they did it. And I love the fact that they gave the tickets only to the people who live in Iowa. That's awesome. First big league game in the history of Iowa, and it ends on a walk off home run into the cornfield. You Dude. can't make this shit up. Nope, nope, it was awesome. Hey, and I want to throw this out there. I'm not trying to cut you off, Jeff, but um, I I haven't shared prior to that game. I didn't share Field of Dreams with my seven year old son yet. But since he saw that game and he watched the highlights, and he's like, "Dad, what's the Field of Dreams? What is it?" I put that movie down for him, and now the last three weeks, the kids watched it three or four times, and he's only seven years old. So. I, 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 I'm glad that game happened. I'm kind of jealous. I wish I would have got to do something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't we all? Yeah. Yes. They need to do an alumni game there because I'm in. I'll throw an inning yeah. out there or a batter. I don't care. <laughs> they, they had it right from the beginning. You had Kevin Costner walk out, and he was all cinematic. And it was almost like a, to me, I mean, not being even a big wrestling fan, but it was like a WrestleMania moment. It was so, like, cinematic the way he walked out and he, he soaked it in. I felt like the players were more excited to see him than he was even of the players. Like, they all walked up and shook his hand and lined up, and they were just in awe of just looking at him. Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. I mean, he is kind of an icon for baseball movies. Right, absolutely. I mean, yeah, couple hey, of them hey, really good, and a couple of them are a little uh, so-so. Yeah, I want to throw this out, Jeff. Did you hear? And 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 you guys, did you, Greg? Did you guys hear this rumor that the reason why the lights went out in Baltimore for Cal uh, Ripken was Kevin Costner was uh, <laughs> shacking up with uh, the 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 wife of Cal Ripken? Is that a true oh. story, Jeff? Mm. Jeff, we, hey, you, we we were there. We were there playing. Um, so 
I don't know. It's amazing how quick they got the stadium lights fixed the next day <laughs> with the transformer. But uh, yeah, we heard that rumor going around. I've never heard it verified or anything like that. So, but it wouldn't put it past me that they just blew a breaker and figured they couldn't find it. For gotcha. You hope the latter than the later. Yeah. <laughs> all I know is that long, wet, passionate kisses were involved. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. That's all I heard, too. Yeah. All right. So, Jeff, this one's for you, buddy, because we're going to change gears a little bit. So I had a question from a fan on the page, John Crawford. He wanted you to tell us about your experience with the Montreal fans and discuss any possibility of the Expos maybe coming back one day. Uh, I mean, I look back on my career, you know, you, when you first go into Montreal, it's all French, it's all speaking. But, you know, spending almost six years there, it's uh, – I really look back and go, that was a great place to play baseball. And the fans, you know, we were winning, though, from like 93 to 96. The fans were great. Even after we came back from the uh, strike, we still had a good quality team. So they were still coming out and cheering for us. Um, I really do hope that City gets a team back. I mean, I look at the two teams down in Florida that have – no fans at any of their games. It's depressing. I mean, Montreal, Montreal would draw. They would draw. You put If you had Tampa's team in Montreal right now, they'd be selling out every night, not getting the 5,000 people they're getting at their games. So I think the city deserves another team, another chance. I think they got ripped off with the way it got moved out of there and stuff like that. So, And I think moving Tampa there would be a perfect fit because then you get the rivalry between Montreal and Toronto. I love the X. I love everything about the Expos. And don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Braves fan, but I love, I love everything about the Expos. I've heard nothing but good things about the city. I love their uniforms. Like I remember collecting these baseball cards, and such good talent ran through there. You had the Hawk Andre Dawson, you had Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Vlad Guerrero, one of my favorites, Delano DeShields, not a Hall of Famer, but there was just a flow of young talent year after year. And it just, it was fun to watch. And like, even as a Braves fan, and I hated playing the Expos because they were always a good young team and they like to run on the bases, man. They like to turn it up. <laughs> that was good. Those were good series when we played the Braves. You know, the thing about us playing the Braves is we were never intimidated because we played them 12 times in spring training too. Absolutely. You know, sharing the same complex. It seems like we were playing them every other day. Well, so the follow-up question on that though, to that, 1994. So the Braves had 14 straight division titles. We had the strike in 94. You guys were rolling and it looked like you were leaving everybody behind that year. You were eight and six, 299 ERA, one of the most solid starters in the rotation. So, I mean, was that the year? I mean, do you truly think it was world series bound? I know it's a crystal ball type thing, but I mean, looks like the chemistry was there. I mean, is that where you yeah, are I headed? Th I think we were headed there. I mean, right before the strike, uh, we had Atlanta and Philadelphia both came in and we swept them both, you know, and at that point we were on a roll. We had won, what was it, like 35 of our last 43 games, something, yeah. some weird number like that. And, you know, there was nobody that was coming in, even the Braves, you know, they had Smoltz, Clevin, Maddox. We weren't intimidated by them anymore at, at that point. So I think that was a year. I think we had – 
you know, we were loaded starters when we were loaded in the bullpen. I mean, I think it, it's disappointing that we couldn't see what really could have came out of that team. But I think it would have been one of the best, best teams to make it to the World Series. And, and was Felipe, he was the manager that year, correct? Felipe was the manager. I mean, he was perfect for that team. Even though we had, I mean, we weren't super young, but we were like a fairly young team. And he just let us go out and play ball, you know. I like it. Just told us to do our jobs. So is it fair to call yourself the most successful left-hander in Expos history? No offense, big unit. This is Jeff Pacero, you know what I mean? <laughs> According to all the numbers, yes. There you go. That got the most wins as an Expo. Um, so I think I am considered the most successful Expos as far as that goes. Hey, there hey, you go. Hey. I'm going to cut in here. Jeff, have you been back to Montreal? Have they, have they, even though baseball is not there, have they invited that city? Have they, have you been back I've, there? Well, I've been invited to go back for that, uh, those playoff games they have with Toronto every spring, but I've been working in baseball, um, till like two years ago. So I haven't made it, but, uh, we went back to that city for, uh, <clears throat> Christmas. We took our kids there. They're all growing up. They could go out and see the city. And they were shocked when people recognized who I was That's awesome. you know, going out. So it was different. You know, they didn't, they were, they were all really young when we were in Montreal. So they loved it. I, I still think that city is a great city to go to. It's a great city. Oh, to visit. Hey, uh, I, you guys, in 2003, I got called up in around the 4th of July. <clears> and it, 2003 was, uh, I want to say was the last time, was 2003 the last year the Expos were there? It might be. Yeah. So, so yeah. So back then I never had a passport. And when I got called up, everybody's like, you got to have a passport. You got to get a passport. I'm like, what do you mean I got a passport? We're going to, we're playing the Expos next series. So here I am, I'm a rookie. We go up to Canada and I, what a cool experience. I was 26 years old, rookie, bright eyed. Uh, I played in the Penn league. That was the closest I ever got to Canada. Uh, we did play at St. Cats. I think it was when I was in the Penn league growing, going through the system, but that yeah. Never forget how wild it was. Um, the French, the French, the, the 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 scene just at night was just amazing, and the the the, the city's just so alive with life. And and I, I'll never forget that as a rookie. Yep, I mean that was I got called there. We they weren't on the road. I went to Montreal, and it's you know, you walk in, you go, okay, there's gonna somebody's gonna pick you up and take you to the hotel. Because you won't understand where you're going first. But, uh, yeah, and the, smell, the smell of the stadium. <laughs> Granted, I got there in 2003. I'll never forget the, the, the smell of carpet or something in that stadium. Uh, it, just, it was old it was and musty. Smell, I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the, much better than the, the Astrodome wasn't much better, though, at the time either. Yeah, and you know what? I got blessed because when I got to Houston, it was already Minute Maid Park. I never even stepped yeah. foot in the Astrodome. Ooh. I wish I did. Yeah. No, the Astrodome was a little rough by the time I got there and got to play in it. You know, they hadn't kept it up very well. Was it a pitcher's park? Yes. Yeah, I heard it was a graveyard. That's when when they asked Baguan <laughs> Biggio, they asked Baguan Biggio when they were doing the stadium at Minute Maid, what dimensions do you prefer to left and right field? And they made it a bam box at Minute Maid. I, met, I threw a change up to 
Freddie Garcia, I'll never forget it. He played for the Pirates, I think, at the time. I threw him a changeup, had him on his front foot. He popped it up, and I thought it was a can of corn, and it ends up in the Crawford boxes in left field. I was like, what a joke. I I, I got the hitter off balance, and he still popped it up into the left field for a home run. I, I was like, this stadium's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, I got one for you. This is off yeah. topic, but uh... – World Baseball Classic. You paid played for Team Italy, correct? Yes. My what was Giazza, that experience like? Uh, it was cool, but at the same time, I, I was all thinking, well, first of all, um, our bench coach for the Astros is Ital- was Italian, and, and he, he just said, hey, uh, can you prove that you're Italian? I said, well, my last name ends in a vowel. I think I can make it. <laughs> but uh, long story short, uh, uh, that experience was cool. I thought I was going to go to Italy or something, but no. Our spring training at the time, obviously, with Houston was in Kissimmee, and it just so happens the our bracket was played in Orlando at the Disney Wide World of Sports in Orlando. So that's where you know where the Braves play their spring training. So it was a cool experience. It was a little bit weird though because I had to speed up my my training to get game ready a little bit sooner than I had to before. And, you know, my body responded pretty well, but I, I didn't like the fact that I, I had to speed up quickly to gain speed because granted we're, we were facing the Dominicans, the Repu- uh, Dominican Republic and Venezuela, that 90% of the roster was all big <laughs> league. So it was just a all-star team of, of studs on those teams. But, you know, Piazza was our DH. Tommy Lasorda gave us a, a rah-rah speech of his Olympic uh, Olympic uh, victory. I'll never forget we're in the shower at Wild World of Sports and Tommy comes in and he's talking about, we were the underdog and we came back. That was right before we played. I think it was Dominican Republic. And um, we did lose. We battled. We lost. But we, we handled Australia. But uh, but Dominican and uh, Venezuela, they, they, they handled us pretty well. We just ran out of – we didn't have the pitching depth. And I was just a left-handed reliever. I couldn't give him more than an inning or two and – not to say that I was shoving it or anything, but <laughs> but uh, it, it was a fun time. I got to face – I faced Miguel Cabrera, and I faced Miguel Cabrera back in the minor leagues. And when he got up to, to, to play, I actually had to face him. Even though he's a righty, I'm a lefty. I'm, normally I was pitching hold to just face lefties, but I got to face Miguel. And Miguel, we stepped out of the box when he looked at me, and he's like, what's up, guy? Yo, Rooster, what's up? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm going to jam you, bro. I'm throwing you inside hard. <laughs> how how many major leaguers did you have on that team um i'm trying to think we probably had about six maybe six or seven guys that's hard to keep up yeah we had some guys from italy too and i'm telling you the locker room smelled of garlic and pasta sauce it was pretty cool because they were (laughs) (laughs) wow no no way yeah jeff (laughs) jeff you would have been on team italy you would have made it (laughs) yeah I probably but, could have came back and gave you an inning here and there. I'm telling you, uh, and you know, and uh, you know who was our, our pitching coach was. Um, um, God, why am I drawing a blank? I can see it. He, closer for uh, the Mets for a lot of years, and he was he's a good friend of mine. Why am I drawing a blank? Franco. Yeah, Franco. Yeah, there you Franco, go. There you go. Franco was our pitching coach, and uh, he he was a good guy. He's a really good guy. And, yeah. And you know. He just, you know, if, and that's what's sad about baseball today, guys. 
You don't see the Jamie Moyers. You don't see the 84, 85, 86 with sink and movement anymore. You just see nothing but cheese and gas. And half the guys don't even know where the hell the ball's going, but they're throwing hard enough to get away with it. And that's that's what's sad about the game of baseball right now. I, I, I root for those guys that throw 88, 89 like me. And you don't see that too often anymore. Like, I, I'm excited to see Kershaw come back with the Dodgers. I thought his elbow was going to be blown out. They said it was a forearm injury out here in L.A., but I'm like, that's Tommy John, you know. But, uh, you know, he pitches he pitches comfortably at 88, 89, occasionally 90 if he's feeling good. But it's, it's a big dude. He's a big kid, too. But I, I do miss seeing those lefties that can paint, change up with the change up sliders, give me some two-seamers, some stinkers. I don't see that much anymore. It's kind of sad. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. As it is, who, who can throw 100 for us, and how long can they last? Exactly. It's just like next man up in baseball, guys. I mean, it's like they blow out, and, and it's like, okay, we have another guy that throws 98 down below, and he's, he's, he's he can throw the ball hard. He's only 21, but, you know, it's, just, it's crazy how this game's changed, you guys. I mean, it's Tommy John is almost rooted for now because when you come back, you're just as strong or stronger for most guys, but the rehab is hard. I know that. I've had this question before. It's like, at what, how, how far would Greg Maddox be looked at today, given the fact that, you know, he threw 91, you know, 92 in his early career, and then he was down like 89, but he could throw four or five pitches in any spot he wanted, you know, but it was no, no, no heater to it. But I don't even know if they look at him. The only player I can think of today that's having mild success is Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs, and he throws about 89, 90. And he tops out there and has okay success, but don't, don't, it's, don't it's everyone. Him, don't they call him the professor? I think it's I think, yes, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think it's a knockoff if you ask me, but we'll, we'll yeah. let him keep it for now. Exactly. Um, well, let's keep it rolling. So what do, you, what do you all think? And I'll start with Jeff about the universal DH. I know that uh, pitchers are athletes too, and you probably hit a little more than Gallo did. No offense, Gallo, but. Uh, I got four uh, at bats. All right. So should the pitchers be a, uh, given a chance to hit, or should we just call this a uh, experiment of the past and just let the DH be in both leagues? No, keep National League the way it is. I don't want to see a DH in both leagues. I think, you know, it takes away from the game. The manager doesn't have to think. Just put your nine best hitters out there and see what happens. Uh, I agree with you 100%. What do you think, Gallo? Yeah, yeah, don't mess with the National League. Get rid of the shift. I don't like it. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. I know that wasn't the question. But, yeah, you know what? I mean, you play defense, you should be able to get to hit. And that's just my opinion. Double switching is such an art. I love seeing <laughs> double switching and all that. I mean – it's a lot of fun. DH, though, keep it in the American League. Don't get rid of it. Keep it there because I know it's a job in the big leagues. You don't want to eliminate jobs. But, right, I agree with that. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, nothing pumps me up more than when you see a pitcher go yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I mean, but, like, what I would like to say even better is the fact that, like, I remember back in, like, the 90s uh, or even before you would have the uh, – you'd play the World Series – and then those teams had never played each other during a regular season. So then it was a true, like, unknown experience between National League and American League. And now you have the interleague play, and they've all seen each other in a season. So I would almost like to even get back to that somehow to where you're not seeing each other until you face each other in the series. But that's just me. I don't agree oh. with that. I mean, 
they started interleague play because they wanted to cut down on travel. Well, when I was playing, let's see, I was in Seattle for three years when interleague play started. All of a sudden, we got to play the – they were the Florida Marlins back then. Oh, yeah. That's not, really, that's not really cutting down on our travel. That's as far as you can go in baseball right now. So we were supposed to stay in the West, play in the West, and that was it. But that all went because all these other teams wanted to see other teams or all cities, whatever you want to see other teams. So, you know, we want Griffey out here in our city. We want, you know, Rodriguez, you know. So it all got blown out of proportion. I think they – I kind of wish they would go back to regular baseball, two divisions and National League plays National League, American plays American League. And there's another – then you don't have to worry about the DH either. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see each other in the All-Star game and the World Series. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and you bring up the All-Star game. I truly enjoyed watching the All-Star game when the winning – now, Jeff, you may disagree with me, but put something on the line for the fans. You know, oh, if you're a National <clears throat> League fan, you want your National League team to win because there's going to be something for you. I do – I did enjoy it, but I guarantee – but on the other side, I do see – when you win the most games, you should get the home field advantage. I get it. I, I understand it. But they need to do something with that all-star game to, to drum up some more interest, in my opinion. Well, the problem with the all-star game is the all-stars that get voted in don't go play. I mean, right. I, grew up watch, I grew up watching all-star games like when the Big Red Machine was playing in the 70s and stuff. Pete Rose was in the game for eight innings. Johnny Bench was catching for seven innings. You know, mm-hmm. the starting pitcher was throwing three innings. There wasn't – this was a big thing to those guys. Now these guys look at it as a joke. And I think, you know, you take away the incentive bonuses just because you get voted on it, they still get their bonus. If you don't play in the game, you don't get your bonus. Oh, brutal. Yeah, there's – that game needs to be t- tweaked <clears throat> a little bit. Yeah, it has – something has to change. Yeah. You, but, you forgot he was bulldozing somebody's ass over too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I get it too. I mean, what if you're a GM of a team and your guys out there pitching, and and now because of guys throwing the ball 100 miles an hour, the chances of them blowing out is is starting to rise. You know, mm-hmm. that's why these guys are like, oh, I only want my guy throwing an inning because he could he, he could get hurt in the All Star game, and it's gonna hurt our team to get a you know. And I, I get that. We'll put guys in there that want to play a couple innings, you know, pitch a couple innings. I, I'm all about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why, why is a pitcher, a starter, all of a sudden have to throw one inning? You know, give them a few innings, and then you're not worried about your bullpen. Here, here. There you go. <laughs> all right, so real quick, uh, I touched on this on social media, I believe yesterday, and it was brought up about youth sports. So – when I played sports, and I'm sure you guys too, obviously, um, you kind of just you kind of played whatever sport was in season, and then you were always working different muscles throughout the season. You weren't just throwing year round, and then athletes were athletes. So now you have travel ball, you have all this stuff going on. You got daddy ball. So now kids are throwing every month, every week of the season and tournaments. You're just throwing money away at these tournaments. I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, 12, 13 year old kids' arms should be expose that type of, uh, you know, innings and pitch count. That's just me. But you think it has anything to do with the injuries we're seeing today or is it just, you know, everybody's just fragile now? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if that – I think they should play other sports, just become better athletes personally. But I think uh, 
I think there's no real direction on the way people are teaching pitching. I mean, I've I work with a few kids out here and they've been with other people and I look at the stuff and I go, the stuff they're learning from people that have never really played the game or understand the game, it's just, you know, it's all about, we're going to just work on throwing hard, throwing hard where mechanics are out the door as opposed, you know, so I pitched 22 years and never had major arm surgery, had good mechanics. I played with guys that, you know, you look at the guys that played forever that never have arm problems. Most of it's because their mechanics are good. It's not, you know, they, you know, Mike's talking about velocity. You know, I was, I threw the ball pretty hard on the radar gun considering back in the day, like 92, 93, and they've measured that out to where now, if I was throwing on these guns now, it would be 96, 97, 98. I believe it's, it's the, it's the arm speed. It's not the ball speed crossing the plate, you know? So if they took half these guys and put a real radar gun on them, like what we had, and they saw that their 100 is only like 95, they wouldn't, they would have to teach them how to pitch. You know, and the hitters, you know, all you're doing is putting a number in the hitter's head and, oh, shit, I can't hit 100 miles an hour. Right. So swing big, swing long, and swing slow. And you see strikeouts like you do in baseball now. But I, I, just, angle, think, baby. I just think <laughs> young kids aren't taught proper, proper mechanics. And you can have proper mechanics and still throw the ball hard. Yeah. What do you think, Gallo? Yeah, you know, I'm going through it now. You know, my son, he's he's seven. He turns eight in the fall. Like, she's ne- next month. He turns the big eight. And uh, right now, he's I'm coaching his soccer team. I never played soccer. Why am I coaching? Because my son is playing. So I'll, I'm learning a game of soccer. I didn't play soccer. I should have. But, but yeah, when I was growing up, it was baseball in the spring. Maybe a little bit in the summer, but then it was either football, basketball, soccer, or just chill and go to school and get your schoolwork done and play catch and stay somewhat in shape. But, you know, but but overall, my son plays flag football on Friday nights and and then he gets to play some soccer. So, you know, he's not even touching a baseball. He'll touch a baseball again. And he this 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 was his first year. He actually got on the mound. He pitched. He faced hitters. He's a righty, not a lefty. So I was mad about that. But overall, you know, he got the experience facing some hitters and uh, his arm speed was was pretty good. You know, I mean, I just want him to throw strikes and get the ball to the plate. So um, what I'll be doing this year a little differently is come December, we're going to start swinging the bat and then we're going to start playing the catch and he's going to start pitching. So then by February, he'll be ready to go. But in the meantime, he's playing other sports now. I see it all the time. Jeff, you get pitching lessons. I get pitching lessons too. And on the side, I used to do a lot more than I used to, but um, I, I mean, I did a lot more in the past than I am now. I'm just too busy. I mean, it's really busy for me right now, but, but you, you see these guys, these coaches, they're like YouTube. Co- I call them YouTube coaches. They watch YouTube and then they learn some things on YouTube. Then they're trying to explain it to the, to their, your student or their kid. And, and, you know, and you see a kid and he's flying open and he's not, his front side is weak when he's going to the plate, you know? And so I have to tell these kids straight up, who's your favorite baseball pitcher in the big leagues? Watch them, watch those guys. And then after you get done watching them, I want to see you try and imitate what they do. Now, everybody's different, but in the meantime, proper mechanics. And obviously if I, if they, if they tell me a guy that's has terrible mechanics, but he's up there in the big leagues pitching, um, I try and say, let's pick another guy, <laughs> but, 
overall, you know, it, it, there, there's, uh, like you said, bad mechanics lead to injury. Add in the fact that these guys are throwing travel ball, league ball, and they're playing from February until God knows when, October, fall ball. Um, they're, you're just setting yourself up for an injury. And even the healthiest guys that have good mechanics, if they're throwing a ball from February to November, you're going to give my son, you're going to give that arm a two months off before you start back up again at 13, 14 years old. You're setting yourself up for complete burnout, number one. Number two, you're going to meet the doctor with an elbow injury or or labrum. You know, I'm seeing kids with labrum, labrum surgery at 17. And I'm just like, I shaved my head. If I if I could grow my hair out, I would pull it out going, why is a 17-year-old kid having labrum tears already? And there, and I asked the parents on the side without being a, a jerk about it, how much time did your son get in the offseason from not picking up a ball? And literally, I had the dad look at me and go, maybe two weeks here, two weeks there, but nothing in months. And I'm like, he couldn't get in the gym. Uh, it's just I almost want to just – throw a right left cross and go dude you're an idiot but he had no one telling him what to do he's just listening to his coaches oh your son's got a great arm you're, he, i need him to pitch every saturday and you know what sum it up just to sum it up year-round baseball is gonna blow your arm out and, and that's all i gotta say for hitters not so much but throwing is not the good thing to do year-round other sports are good jeff and i are on the same page just try out other sports but other than that party on there you go <laughs> I agree hundred percent with both of you. Um, so to wrap up the show, this, this is going to be kind of painful, but we're going to do it anyway. So I want to start with who is the hitter you hated to face the most. All right, Jeff, you go first, of course. Who's the hitter I hated to face the most. I know who hit me the best, but it wouldn't be a fair thing. It was John Jaha, but like who would I not want to see coming to the plate and the Serious situation when I had to face him was probably Barry Bonds. The Pittsburgh you know, Bonds, I guess. The Pittsburgh Bonds. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really a fair. It's just, you know, he's big in the key situation. So if it's a key situation, that's not particularly the guy I want to face. I th- actually, I don't think my numbers are very bad against him at all, really. Um, but you just watch over the course of history, his. He was the guy he didn't want to see at the plate. And it always seemed like whenever we were playing the Giants, if it was a ninth inning close game, he came to the plate all the time. I don't know how it worked out so well, but it always did. Gotcha. Obviously on bonds, but, like, it was funny to me because immediately in the baseball group we're all in, I asked this question, Jeff, you said John Jaha. And I'm like, well, imagine that. John Jaha is in this group. So let's tag John. He's like, thanks, because no one's ever told me that before. So it was kind of cool that you were both he in there. Went and looked up, he probably went and looked up the numbers. He's eight for like yeah. 10 off me. <laughs> I was like, just well, what are the odds you're both in there? And you mentioned him. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So it's it's pretty awesome what's going on in there. But uh, what, do you, what do you got, Gallo? Yeah, uh, I faced Bonds four times. And the most memorable time, like as a pitcher, you're not afraid to face anybody. You just get mad that this guy's hit you a couple times. You get pissed. You're like, why does this guy keep – it's like he knows what I'm throwing him. Uh, there was one hitter. It's not that I hate faced him. I just I, – I, I didn't hate facing him or feared facing him. 
uh, Lyle Overbay. He played at the University of Reno, Nevada. I played against him in college, and then he was with the Brewers, and the guy was like, I don't know, eight for ten off me, as, and he's a lefty. And I, I, I went back and looked at tape, and everything I threw to him was away, and he sat on everything away. Finally, I pitched him inside, and he rolled it over. So I'm like, why did it take times for me to throw him inside? So, um, but facing Bonds, he, uh, he was the guy that I didn't want to give up a home run to because I knew I didn't take any. I know he's still denying that he took anything that he didn't knowingly know was a PED, <laughs> but I had some animosity and going, dude, you were already a good player. Why do you need to dab in that stuff in the first place? But I get it. It is what it is. You did what you did. If you did, you did it. But deep down in my bullpen, I had Russ Springer in my bullpen, and he told me, he's like, Great dude, guy. Oh, yeah, Russ, great guy. Russ, Russ told me every time I face him, I'm going to hit him right in the back. And no lie, <laughs> that game I faced him, he was tied with, uh, with uh, Babe Ruth in home runs, right, career home runs. Russ drills him and gets thrown out of the game. And so – the the lineup went through the system with another pitcher. I forgot who threw right after him. But then I pitched the next inning, and then I was like, I remember Russ going, dude, I ain't going to get mad at you if you don't hit him, but just get him out. I said, okay. So um, previously he's hit a couple balls off me off the wall, like line drive, and I had to walk him a couple times intentionally after I fall behind two. I fell behind 2-0 and to him, and I had to intentionally walk him because my coach just said, just put him on. Uh, but I, I hung a slider to him. It was a one-on-one count, and I hung a slider, and he's tied with Babe Ruth. And we're getting our asses kicked. It's like 10 to 3 in the in the sixth inning. I'm in mop-up duty. I hung a slider to him, and it was one of those pitchers of the pitch where you throw it, and you're like, oh, shit, I just hung a slider. And he popped it straight up in the air. I don't know. I think it was Bagwell caught it, or I don't know. Somebody caught it in the infield, and it was the third out, and I just pumped my glove like I just won the World Series. I was like, Yes, you're not getting that tying home run off me, dude. I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I mean, it was it was not that he was spirited; just he was a good hitter. And when you when you have some other uh, PEDs that were involved, it makes it that much more. Uh, he's a m- much more dangerous hitter to face. So, you know, overall, yeah, I'd say Bonds was the most challenging hitter you had to face. You know, and that 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 was about it. But I, I'm privileged that I could say that I didn't give up a home run to him. <laughs> I, I can appreciate that so J- jeff do you remember if you gave one up to him or not i, I gave up two one pre-steroid two? one one there steroid but the one with steroids is in colorado so i don't know if i really count that was, there, was it a, jeff were they fastballs were they breaking balls uh the one in colorado is a breaking ball I, uh, the first one might have been a fastball in montreal got it got it but i mean Two home runs and 40-plus at-bats is pretty good. Impressive. Go. You'll take yep. that ratio. Yeah, Way like better the- than Maddox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had to throw that in there, didn't you? Just the dagger. Hey, hey Jeff, did you ever talk to Barry, uh, you know, in batting practice towards the end, like at batting practice or anything? Was he a jerk to you or was he? No, did I he played just- with him for the last two years. I played with him. And he's actually, oh, you- he wasn't that bad a person in the clubhouse. Yeah, it seems like he could be in. Yeah. Jeff Kent, I was teammates with Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent didn't like him. No, yeah. I know. They didn't get along at all. No. There you go. He wanted to – yeah, he, I asked him about that when I was uh, my second year in the league, and Jeff Kent goes, I don't like that guy too much. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people felt that way about Kent too, you know, from the outside. Yeah. But Yeah. 
we, we could sit here and talk all night. I know Jeff's got to get out there and enjoy the town, and I don't blame him. I'm going to enjoy a few more beverages here myself when I do my football segment. But, guys, it ran a little long. I apologize for the technical difficulties. I appreciate your time, and I would love to have you on in the future down the road, maybe next year when baseball's uh, firing back up. But, uh, guys, I appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah. Hey, I, hey I, Jeff, I want to give you a prediction really quick. Give me your World Series. Who do you think is going to be in the World Series this year? Uh, I think I mean, it might be a repeat from repeat from last year. Dodgers, Tampa. Woo! I'm thinking I'm calling Dodgers Astros because I want that drama. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Guys, I love it. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. And uh, until next time, guys, thank you. Thanks, hey, guys. Thank you. Take, take, take care. care. See you guys. You Beat the Shift is brought to you by Signature September Giveaway from Dugout Mugs. They're giving away 30 prizes in 30 days. You can enter for free. No purchase necessary. Simply text the word SUPER to 85311. Text the word SUPER to 85311. For dugout mugs, their signature September giveaway.